0: Hey, good morning everybody. Good to see you guys. a lot of families on a, this thing called fall break. What is this thing, fall break? You get a week off at school these days, kids? In my day, like in my day, our fall break was six hours of homework and our teacher would say, hey guys, take a, take a look outside at the trees changing and then they would say, get yourself back in those books. That's your fall break right there. You get a minute of looking, but no, I like this. This is kind of a cool thing to get a week off. Kids these days, right? Oh. I don't like that phrase. I don't like that phrase. Hey, we're in week four of our series, Connected, My Life in the Church, understanding how we kind of have uh, worked through kind of our struggles with church and how we come together as uh, as God's people, as family. Last week, we talked about our growth and how it's connected, that there really is growth when we're connected, when we have people that come together that want to be here, But more so than that, they want Christ more than anything. And in that kind of environment, there's some supernatural things that happen as far as how God kind of escalates our maturity and our passion for Him. The week before that, we kind of talked about unity, that God has kind of designed us to be uh, with each other that's just innate. It's a design that we are to come around the things that matter the most, and the thing that matters the most is the gospel of Christ and our hope in Christ, the salvation of Christ. That we are to come around that and bear with one another and the rest. That we are to work out our salvation together. And then the, the week before that, we kind of kind of underlined all of it with saying, like, hey, our responsibility in all of this is to abide to the Father, to connect with the Lord. And in that connection, as we abide, it creates attitudes and, and, and practices uh, as we connect with the Spirit, as the Spirit moves in us, that creates, uh, that makes things like, like church attendance and good works, privileges that we get to be a part of and not task that we have to do. Because we understand this, we're a part of God's family. We're part of God's family. That is God's church, and He's given us access to so many things through Christ as we plug into the local church. And so today we're going to walk into the area of our words, understanding our words and how they impact others that were connected, very much so. By the words that we say to each other, the verbs that we use to one another, because words matter. Maybe we know that phrase like "sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us." That, I just—that's a false narrative. You guys, we know that words have deep impact within our lives. And, and so, here I want to start out with a little exercise this morning—a little exercise for you. And I'm going to make you get up out of your seats. Here's what I want you—I want you to think about. Uh, The most encouraging words that you've ever heard in your life was there a moment that somebody said something to you That just was what you needed in that moment that marked your life Can you think of that? I hope you can Those words have marked us in our lives. We remember those words that somebody said long time a long time ago. Now. Here's another Exercise I want you to Think about the words that somebody had said to you that were hurtful those words that were most hurtful in your life, that were spoken to you in a context of a situation. Think about how that impacted your life. It's easier to think of those negative phrases, isn't it, than it is to think of those positive words. Words just have a tremendous power to stick with us, right? They just kind of stay with us And all of those words can, when we think of them, can take us back to the scenario and the circumstances and the situation to which they were spoken to us, and they can flood us with all of those emotions and all of that stuff around that situation in an instance. It it is amazing how our words uh, can lift us up, tear us down, they can move us towards action, they can move us towards inaction, they just have a weight. Uh, there's a story of, of of a group of frogs that is jumping in the woods and they're jumping around their merry way and they're on their froggy business whatever it is and and in the way that two of them fall into this pit and the other frogs come around this pit and this is a this is a deep pit and they're they're dismayed that like this is not good for these frogs and they're like hey frogs if you would have just done your froggy responsibilities and done the froggy way you wouldn't be in this mess and these frogs are just Unwilling to accept their fate, and and this whole group collective of frogs is up there saying, "Hey, this—it's over. Your fate is sealed. There's no way that you can get out of that pit. It's too deep, too deep for you." And these frogs were having none of it, and they just hopped and they hopped and they hopped and they kept trying to get up out of this pit, and and to no avail. And and the frogs above were waving their arms like, "You stop! It's it's futile." Like, just stop it. Quit wasting your energy. There's no way you're going to get out of this. Just resign yourself to your fate, friends. You're not going to get out of this. And the frogs just keep all of their energies just to hop out of these things. And finally, they just get weary and their bodies are wrecked with pain. And one of them just says, I'm done. And he resigns himself to his fate. And he lays down in the pit and he dies as the other frogs helplessly look on but the other frog is still jumping, and these guys renew their efforts to say, Stop! Just stop! Don't do it! Don't do it! Quit. You're, gonna, you're just costing yourself more pain in the process. And they just keep waving their arms, and they're talking to this frog. And then lo and behold, out of nowhere, this frog gets all the energy he could find in his body, and he leaps up out of this pit onto the ground. And the frog, they're celebrating. They're, this is a miracle that you jumped out of here! Why didn't you take heed to our words to just stop and just resign yourself And as the frog was reading their lips, he responded to these frogs and said, Well, I'm deaf. (laughs) And the words that you spoke, I I thought you were cheering me on. Uh, I thought you were motivating me to keep going. I thought you were saying, Hey, you can do this. And it caused me to to work harder and harder in a situation that, that I didn't think I could get out of. And the powerful lesson in this simple story is that Your encouraging word can lift somebody out of a desperate situation. It can help them make it through their day, their month, their year, their life. But your destructive words can cause deep, deep, profound wounds that cause people to lose the desire, lose the desire to move forward. There's a poem that I put in your bulletins. That poem says this. It says, a careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still, a brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the day, a joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress, and a loving word may heal and bless. Friends, today is all about this. If you don't understand that your words carry weight in the lives of your family, in the lives of people within this church you can crush people and not even know it. Every word that you says has the potential to have 800 pounds of lead or 800 pounds of helium. Every word that we say has the ability to lift up or to crush inside your friends, inside your family, and especially inside of God's church. Our words very much matter, and we are to take them seriously. In Proverbs... There's a verse in Proverbs 18. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's profound. There's a lot of weight with that. And so because we believe that the Lord wants us to be together, He wants us to meet regularly, He wants us to unite, abide, and grow together, we have to understand how our words to be used biblically because they very much, they very much can either help or hinder all of those processes and all of the, that environment of growth, unity, and uh, our church as a whole. And here, here's where I want to take a step back and, and just speak towards this idea of self-effort and obedience versus gospel, God-powered grace that propels us. I think that if I'm not careful, if we're not careful in general, I can convey a message that seems to be about self-improvement, that seems about just trying to make yourself look cleaner. If I'm not careful, I I can do that. And, and and with with that, I, I can rob the understanding of of, of what saves you isn 't you trying harder or looking prettier? Uh, what saves you is divinely inspired grace that propels us to be sanctified to pursue Jesus and be equipped in our giftings. Uh, the apostle Paul is a man that is just kind of he, he reeks this. Paul is, is the killer of Christians, right? He's Saul, and he's just not a good man, but God right, rescues him. The road to Damascus, we know that story, and, and he's a, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He is somebody that we admire. He's maybe the best Christian in the world, if you want to judge it in that way. But Paul says this about himself in Corinthians. He says, but whatever I am now, Whatever I am now in this moment, it is because God poured out his special favor on me. It's because God poured his grace upon me. Whatever I am, and whatever you think of Paul, what he is, is, is true because of God's grace poured out on him. And so I want to remind us, when we take thoughts about attendance and unity and growth and words, uh, it really is not about us trying harder. It's just not. It's it's not about you trying harder. It's probably about you trying less And loving and depending on the lord more It's about him And I was listening to a pastor this week named tim keller And tim was speaking to this Uh kind of issue with his congregation and and these are the words that he said. I love him He said you are not saved by the quality of your faith But rather you are saved by the object of your faith let me repeat that. You are not saved because of the quality of your faith, but rather you are saved because of the object of your faith. And it's within the bounds of our dependency to that object, our love for that object, Christ, that it creates fertile hearts for the Spirit to move us from sinner to saint. And not relying on our self-effort doesn't mean that we don't work and we don't obey. It just means that we trust God to do the work through Him and because of Him as we grow in our affection and our love towards Him. And so when we get into an area like words, our tongues, it's important for me to say that because it doesn't start with you trying harder, cleaning yourself up a little bit, but rather it starts with you understanding that you can't. You can't. And in that surrendering your life to the Lord and the areas that we want to move and and grow into Him as we grow in our dependency and our affection on Him, that God would move in our hearts in a way that He would change them, not through our own efforts, but through a divine power of the Holy Spirit to make us a new creation in Him. And so I want to make sure that when we move forward into the areas of words that, that, we, that we would understand that lens first as we try to grow in our understanding of how our words bring connection and grow our connection and even separate our connection to each other. Uh, so we're going to look at The word of God here in Ephesians 4, and here's what I ask. Uh, We want to read this, and and where we fall short of these areas, we want to compel those things to the Lord. We want to confess them to the Lord, and we need to ask for the Lord to to move in our hearts in these areas, to make us stronger, to help us grow uh, in these areas. So we're going to look at Ephesians 4 today, and we're going to pull out some things that talk about our speech towards one another, our words towards one another. It says, therefore, and that word is significant. When you hear a therefore in the Bible, you take note. We're going to talk about that therefore in a second. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. But be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. And so right in this beginning of this passage, we have a therefore, and that word begs some attention. Paul, previously to this, is talking about our new lives in Christ, and he's, he's imploring us to leave our old lives, to set away the old things, and pick up the new life in Christ, that we would cloak ourselves in God's holiness and our righteousness, and we would pursue after him. And he says, therefore, since you are a new creation in Christ, do these things. Pursue after these things that we just read. If we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are to push ourselves through the Spirit to move ourselves to this kind of manner of lifestyle. And Paul has a lot to say about our communication, about our words in this passage. Most of what is set before us in Ephesians 4 involves our verbs, involves our words, how we speak to each other. uh, That how we communicate to one another. And so we want to take a look at some of these passages and these verbs in these words. In that passage, it says, Speak truth to one another. Speak truth to one another. Our words connect us, not by just giving grace to one another, but being people who are truth tellers, that we would tell truth, not as as it's fit to us, but as truth is fit to God, that we could say to one another, like, brother, I love you too much to watch you continue in that. Like, friend, that's not what the Lord would have for you. He'd have so much more for you than that. This is a scary proposition for a lot of us to be truth-tellers. I live, there's a guiding principle in my life uh, that says this. It's a a picture of a teeter-totter. And on one side is the word grace. And it would say this, that grace without truth is deception. That grace without truth is deception because you're not letting the people in your life, as you give them grace, know the truth that they're settling, that that's not what God would have for them, and that leaves them to be deceived. Grace without truth is deception, and on the other side of that teeter-totter is the word truth, and it would say that truth without grace is just mean. Truth without grace is, that's that's a jerk. Maybe we have those truth tellers in our life that you just, man, the fact that you just be a little graceful with me. And so our lives are really about finding that balance. The Lord has called us to, to be balanced in grace and truth and respect and love. Grace without truth is deception, and truth without grace is cruel. And so Paul implores us to be people who speak truth. He says, do not let the anger go down, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Like how does that work? Well, that involves dialogue. If you got some anger issues, you got to talk through those issues. You got to take time to work those things out. Paul lists this as important because he knows this is that anger breeds bitterness and bitterness breeds strife and hostility. Uh, My wife, uh, she, bless her heart, this is, she's really strong at this. Like she just does not like anything to be between us. And she's she so much so that she, I lose sleep because of it. If there's something that's going on, I don't care if it's 11 o'clock at night and I just wanna sleep, she wants to address that issue. And I know that for the good of my sleep, I can either delay it and just move my bedtime further back or I can deal with the issue right now, right here. And so we are to take these things not, into our spousal, not just in our spousal relationship, but with everybody. If we are in relationship with people, if we interact with people and we are hurt in those scenarios, And we can't overlook that offense or give grace to that offense. We are to deal with those situations expediently because the Lord knows that anger that is not dealt with produces bitterness and hostility and strife. And before you know it, that hostility and bitterness has crept into realms in your life that you're not comfortable with being there. It just doesn't sit where it's at. Bitterness grows in your heart It affects so many other areas of our life. And so that's why the Lord writes this. Don't let the the sun go down on your anger. Deal with those things because it's not good for you. He says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, only what is good for the building up of the body. This verse is really about us stopping something and starting something new. The verse before it speaks about a thief, that the thief should stop stealing and start working honestly so he can give to those who are in need. This is a stopping of the negative behavior and a starting of a positive behavior. It's a negative and a positive thing, and it's carried over into this next talk about let no corrupt talk from your, come from your mouth, but only what is good for the body. It's a positive speak, positive things. And I don't think that there needs to be much education in this area of our words. You know the vile words, the arrogant statements, the hurtful sayings and the passive-aggressive phrases that we know that we shouldn't be saying. I don't need to educate us. We all know those things, those corrupt talks. In in the Greek, the word corrupt is uh, translated into putrid, bad, or rancid. So think about those putrid, bad, and rancid things that we say, and the Lord says, man, move from that. I, I don't want you to be about that. I want you to be people who give life. In Ephesians 4, it says, stop clamoring and slander. If I could have my own interpretation of the Bible, which would, don't, I wouldn't read that. I would, if I could have my own interpretation of the Bible, it would say this, stop the drama, mama. Like, stop the drama and stop talking about people behind their backs. Can we, can we get past this as a people? This is not what the Lord would have for us. This is not what you would want for us. He asked us to put those things away. Leave the drama to Spielberg. Let him do it in the movies. And if you have issues with people, talk to them about it. Don't talk to other people's about it. It simply is not that hard of a principle that the Lord has commanded us to do. Do we sometimes forget? I think I can speak for myself. Sometimes I feel like we forget that we're sinners too. And need of saving grace. And want to be afforded the same grace given to us as we would give to others. We forget that. We have this sinner kind of amnesia where we walk around and we forget like, oh my word, just guys over here, did you see the sinner just popped up out of nowhere? It's like a weed. I can't believe that somebody would say something that that hurtful, that profound. Oh, let me go tell everybody. Like we forget, like, look, dude, you're broken too. In fact, I guarantee you this, guarantee you have a full-time job dealing with your mess. And sometimes we forget that we are in need of God's grace and want grace afforded back to us when we say dumb things. It says, forgive one another. Forgiveness echo, echoes the same kind of process as, uh, as resolving anger and conflict. Sometimes you just got to work through things. So you get your heart and your intent out there. Get, and to hear other people's hearts and intents and work through those issues. And then give forgiveness. Find forgiveness. The Lord says he forgives those as they forgive others. We are to forgive one another. This is what the the Lord would command us to do. This is his word. We are who are new creations who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ are to pursue these things, to grow in our affection for the object of our faith and lay down the things that are not of and for him as we let the Holy Spirit work in our lives to grow us up and push us towards the things that represent Christ well. That's what the Word says about our words. And we need to as, pray through the Spirit that God would convict us of the areas that we fall short in that, and that we would move towards Him in those areas. And so to kind of move towards the end of our time here today, I want to give us like three really simple principles that I think can propel us as we, as we pray and remain in the Spirit, remain in God, towards a, a lifestyle that... That reflects Christ in our words well. The first one is this, speak as if you are the mouthpiece of God. Speak as if you are the mouthpiece of God. In 1 Peter 4, it says, whoever speaks, this is talking about giftings, this is about doing things for the Lord, he says, whoever speaks as one speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that god supplies in order that in everything god might be glorified through jesus christ to him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever amen and so what paul is saying here is that if you speak speak as one who is an oracle of god the bible talks about ambassadorship that we are ambassadors of christ Do you guys know what an ambassador is Uh, In America, we have ambassadors that go to foreign lands, right? And those ambassadors in that foreign land, if they're an ambassador to Cambodia, they are the physical and verbal representation of the United States government in that land. And their, their actions and their verbs represent the government in heart and deed. What they say, they are speaking as the government of the United States, and what they do, they are acting as the government of the United States. That's a huge responsibility. That's a huge responsibility. But do you know, redeemed, that because of the blood of Christ, you are ambassadors of Christ, that you are the physical and verbal representation of Christ on earth, that you are the verbal and physical representation of Christ in a foreign land, because this is not your home, friend. This is not your home. And because of that, we have a heavenly responsibility. A heavenly responsibility to represent Him in a way that brings glory and honor and renown to His name in our hearts, in our deeds, and in our words. When you speak, you are speaking for God. You are His mouthpiece on earth, brothers and sisters. How does that hit you? That hits my heart, and I have to ask some serious questions. That should make us reflect a little bit on how we are handling this. I think that one of the things that kind of continues to get in our way in our culture in this day and age is this growing belief that if I have an opinion, whatever it is, I need to say it. That I'm entitled to have my own opinion about anything and speak speak it freely. But are you? Are you? Are you entitled to that? Is that what you're entitled to? To say whatever you want because of how you feel, what you interpret that situation to be. Uh, Is that what you're entitled to? Is that what Christ died for you for? Is that what Christ died for? You have that freedom in this country, but is that what Christ died for? Let's just create a fantasy world where you are the king of the world you're some king or queen, and you have a huge kingdom, and you want to send ambassadors, people that you've handpicked, to go out to the furthest reaches of your kingdom and represent your heart and your words and your way. And you select them very thoroughly, very detailed, and you say, go and represent who I am. Show people my goodness as a king. How would you feel if some rogue ambassador that you picked said, well, you know, Guy's good, but let's be honest, I like me some me. I'm a big fan of myself, and you know I got a pretty good grip on how this world thing's going. I, I like my thoughts. I'm pretty smart. I've got this thing figured out than most, better than most people. So I'm just going to use that lens, and I'm going to judge and speak to everything by my own lens and just work that through out of that lens. How would you feel about that? Would you have a problem with that? Yes. You would have monumental problems with that. Monumental problems with that. Friends, the only thing that we're entitled to on this earth is death and destruction. That's the only thing that you're entitled to on this earth. Without Christ, everything else is futile. Every last moment is futile. And because God makes us His, adopted sons and goddaughters, daughters He has asked us to surrender our lives, our words, and our hearts to Him. And in that, God entitles us, not because of you, but because of Him, to the freedom of Christ, to all the grace that we need to move from sinner to saint in eternity with the Father. That is praiseworthy from our God to give us that. Let that inform your speech and your heart and your words, your opinions, and your thoughts. Be His ambassador here. Check your heart and your words to His standard and His example in our words. And in doing that, we reflect the goodness of God and bring glory to His name. That's our first applicable kind of point. The second thing is start with listening first. So simple, right? I think everybody in here would say, oh, I need to be a better listener. Maybe a lot of us would say, as men, I need to listen to my wife better. Start with listening first. In James 1:19, it says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's a math equation quick to listen plus slow to speak equals slow to anger. Listening skills help us do a better job of knowing people's hearts. Maybe your heart sometimes bends like mine. I can be in a conversation with somebody and I'm not listening to them. I'm just honest with you. I get into this bad habit where I listen to somebody, but all I'm thinking about is what I'm going to say next. I'm building my agenda of what I need to say to them. Instead of actually hearing their words, reflecting about what they're saying, understanding their heart and why they're saying those things, I'm too busy thinking about my pride and my agenda and speaking it back to them. That's foolish. I think the Lord struck me this week with my daughter uh, as an example of how I need to listen. My daughter's three, or free, as she would say and she's got a prolific vocabulary uh, as a three-year-old. Uh, she's not in algebra yet. We're working that way towards algebra, I call it, but uh, she's got vocabulary. But with my daughter, I have to get down on my knees, and like, I, gotta, I gotta get on her level and just kinda listen to her words, because sometimes she doesn't pronounce You know, three-year-olds don't pronounce words, and kinda just my heart's engaged with her and trying to understand what she's saying, and I say, oh, is this okay, sweetie? Is, so what you're saying is, is, this is what you want. That's what you need. And I'm reflecting back to her what I'm hearing and trying to understand her heart in those things. And it was just pressed on my heart today that that, I'm not going to talk to people like three-year-olds. But I'm going to listen to people like I'm listening to a three-year-old. That I just, I need to get to their level and hear what they're saying and reflect back to them what I understand. And try to get to know their hearts instead of building some agenda and some talking points to come back with something. Start with listening first. It would take care of so many issues in our lives. And the last point here is, is that we would be the, the chief of all encouragers. Be the chief of all encouragers. In and, and 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Uh, my most favorite common person in the Bible and when I say that, common people that are like you and I that have empowered by, are empowered by the Holy Spirit is a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas is my dude. I love him. I love Barnabas. I love, I love who he was. Uh, I love him so much, okay, that any time that we had the conversation about what we're we going to name our kids, right, we were surprised people. We didn't know what our genders were going to be until we had them. Barnabas was always in the equation because I always thought like, Man, Barnabas serbal it's got a great ring to it, right? My wife does not share that same affinity, unfortunately, okay? So we, we've not had a boy yet to kind of really push that kind of agenda, In my, but uh, I'm a big fan of Barnabas. Uh, so uh, just a little advice for you gentlemen out there who may have kids in the future or don't have kids yet, men who might have kids, here's just a little advice I'm going to give you from your Uncle Steve. Don't start with your best names first, all right? Just don't start with your best names first. I always laid out D'Artagnan when I got into a conversation of our kids' names. Steve, what do, you, what do you think? What's the name? Oh, I like really D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan seems like a good name. And do you know what happens? She hates it. But you know what I've done? Every other name that I brought up isn't as bad as D'Artagnan. And so it's considered. It's considered a little bit. Now, hopefully there's nobody named D'Artagnan in the crowd today. I apologize. I'm sure you're good people. Uh, I'm out of yeah. Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan. Listen, without Barnabas, no Paul. There's no Paul without Barnabas. Barnabas speaks into to Paul's life. He encourages him. He presses, he causes him to push forward. He advocates for Barnabas or for, for Paul to, to, to the disciples so that they understand like this guy, he's legit. He's a legit guy. We don't have the New Testament if it's not for Barnabas. We all want people to be cheerleaders in our lives. Not just like, hey, rah, rah, keep going. That guy, you can do it. But we want people who will speak into our lives as they seek our hearts. That people would tell us the truth. Like, let's, can we just be? We are fools at times. We all want those people who would encourage us to say, hey, understand your limitation in that, brother, sister. You're not that good. But God is. God is. Who would encourage us when we are down? Who gives us words to to move by in our lives? We all want those people in our lives. Give life by your words. Give life by your words. I think many of us, this is the tragic thing because I know it's true in my heart. I think many of us walk around this world and we see things that we admire and we love and are encouragement to us, and we see our brothers and our sisters or people doing those things, and we are encouraged and we admire those things, but we keep those thoughts and those words to ourselves instead of taking them to that brother or sister or that friend who could desperately in that moment maybe need to hear that word of encouragement. I, I'm guilty of this all the time. To see somebody who does something profound and not have the desire or, or the motivation to tell them about it. I mean, you see somebody like Irene who comes up, a high school girl leading worship here. That's profound. Like that, That's praiseworthy. That's encouraging worthy. But I don't know if it's our embarrassment or our anxiety that we just don't tell people our heart and how we feel. But could you imagine... If we could get past that, what we could mean to people, what we could do. Every one of us wants to have a legacy. When we leave, we all want to know that we mattered in life. Be an encourager. Do you know an encourager? If you do, you're not the only one, because people flock to encouragers people who use their words to bring life into scenarios. So if you want a legacy, seek the Lord in the Spirit to create within you encouragement because it influences people. Nobody hates an encourager. Everybody loves an encourager. And so friends, I just beg of you today, uh, and this is for myself, is to understand that your words have weight. They either bring 800 pounds of lead or 800 pounds of helium. And if we don't understand that they have weight, we will crush people in our lives. And we will never be the kind of church that God has destined us to be. Because you and I are very much connected by our words and how we use them. I'm going to leave you with a a fable from Aesop. Aesop lived around 600 B.C. He's famous for the tortoise and the hare, the turtle and the hare, that kind of fable. Uh, he writes another one about a donkey. A donkey is walking through the woods and he sees a lion's skin. A hunter killed a lion and left his skin to, to dry in the sun. And the donkey puts on the lion's skin and, and then is struck by the fact that, as he's walking through the woods, other animals just are frightened by him. And he's not used to that as a donkey. And so he's loving this. That he walks everywhere, and he's got this lion skin on, and everybody's afraid of him, and he's so happy, he's so excited about that he just bays that that donkey out of nowhere. And he gives himself away to all the animals. And the moral of that fable is, is that fine clothes may disguise, but silly words will make known the fool. Silly words will make known the fool. Proverbs 18, death and life are contained in the power of the tongue. How we use them has a profound impact on this church and on the lives of the people that surround us. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you today, and uh, we praise you as a God that doesn't leave us where we're at, you move us forward. And so God, I pray that through the spirit that you would just move in our hearts in a way that we would con- con- compel to you, that we confess to you the areas that we're falling short in our words, in our tongue, that we would very much get a really good understanding that we are connected to each other by the way that we use our words. And Lord, will you break our, break our hearts in these areas, that you would move us towards you in this area. And God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And we pray this in the name of Christ our Lord.